I say we take off and nuke the entire site from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. Hi, I'm Chris. Hi, I'm Robert. And we're the Film Flamers, bringing you another Top 10. We'll be counting down our picks for the Top 10 sci-fi horror movies of all time. That's right, children. Category is Top 10 Sci-Fi Horror. (laughs) (laughs) So let's just jump right into it, Chris. My number 10 is 1993's Fire in the Sky, directed by Robert Lieberman. I think I saw this. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm so shocked right now. That's about the alien abduction, right? Yeah. So it's sort of like uh, it's based on the true story of Travis Walton. He wrote this book in the 70s about like, his five-day abduction by aliens and what happened to him on the ship and all the recovered memories he had from it, right? Allegedly. Allegedly, yes. It's so, very it's a alleged. true story, so. Okay, well, quote unquote, true story. Um, I saw this movie when I was 13 years old in the theater, and I was the only person in the theater watching it because my mom had gone to see something stupid, and I was like, I'm going to see this. (laughs) And I was just completely fucking terrified by the end of this movie. Like, most of the movie is sort of like this procedural crime drama, like, what happened to your friend? Where is he? And there's lots of flashbacks about what happened to these guys in the woods. And then the last, like act of this movie is just about what happened to him on that ship and it's truly frightening the aliens look frightening the things they do to him all the like the probing and blah 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 is just scary to me and I just rewatched it to um, in anticipation of this top 10 list and I was just as scared as a grown adult at the end of that movie I was terrified uh, so yeah. if you haven't seen it guys it's mostly trash this movie's like <laughs> <laughs> it's got a 39% on Rotten Tomatoes you know <laughs> But it's a lot of fun, and I mean, if you go in not expecting like a master class of cinema, then you won't be disappointed, because the acting is kind of wah-wah, you know, and the storyline itself is kind of, you know, shitty. But that ending act, terrifying. Totally worth it. Yeah. My number 10 is Paul Verhoeven's anti-fascist masterpiece, Starship <laughs> Troopers from 1997. Oh, I have seen this movie. So. I love this movie. It's just so well done and polished and kind of tongue-in-cheek in places. Maybe he didn't do the tongue-in-cheek like obvious enough for some people, I guess. Yeah. Like Because there's like this weird like anti-Starship Troopers thing about how it's making fascism look good, and it's like, no, it's not. Like it's, yeah, I didn't get that. The message is, <laughs> yeah, so it's the opposite. But it's beautiful. It's like I remember just like popping this in randomly. I like I'm like got the Blu-ray out of nowhere, and uh, all of the like the ships and stuff were done with models, like old school models, but everything else around it is CG. And so like these ships are like breaking in half in this orbit, and everyone's dying or whatever. You can see each individual level like mm-hmm. on the ship as they break apart and stuff, all on fire and stuff. There's a lot of awesome uh, stuff in this film, like uh, technically. And then the music by Basil Polidori is probably his best, better than RoboCop or anything like that. Like this is amazing music uh, for this film. And Anyway, I really love the technical aspects of this film. I like the the message. I don't I don't know why it's so misunderstood, but anyway, I, it has a special place in my heart. Yeah, I mean, I I've only seen it a handful of times, and mostly when I was younger. You said it came out in '97. I mean, I guess that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. I kind of care ahead of its time, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't remember it being that old. I thought this was a 2000s movie, but I mean, I guess you're right because mostly what I remember from Starship Troopers is Casper Van Dien, right? Yeah. And so, like, in my formative teenage gay years, he was uh, he was quite the staple. So, yeah, no, and, and it was also 
some of the really groundbreaking special effects with like this hordes of these like insect monsters that are like 10 feet tall that are just you know thousands of them coming up over the hill and stuff and they looked completely photorealistic and to this day it looks really good yeah you know uh with a moving camera so you know they had to like motion you know do all of this stuff just like perfectly you know with a moving camera like that and it was really good i think i need to rewatch. i think that paul verhoeven gets a bad rap for some things but he's not he's not a terrible director what showgirls <laughs> please showgirls is one of the best movies ever made upcoming horror movie that we're gonna be <laughs> horror adjacency ladies and gentlemen yeah what's your number nine my number nine is scanners uh from 1981 directed by david cronenberg guys i have to say that after george romero david cronenberg is probably my second favorite horror director i love every movie he's ever made and scanners is so so good um it's the story of a group of people who have these like weird telekinetic or you know uh telepath abilities and the company that's trying to like harness them and and there's so much in this movie that's that's science fictiony at one point, I, one of these scanners tries to make a telepathic link to a computer to sort of like crash it and things like that. And then when you start to realize how these scanners were created, it delves so much into science fiction, just like a lot of David Cronenberg's movies do. Um, it's classic body horror, but I think the only thing I really need to say about scanners is exploding heads. So <laughs> if you haven't seen this movie, go check it out. It's got a 78% on Rotten Tomatoes. So, I mean, he's no slouch. It's a fantastic fantastic film. My number nine is 1987's Predator with Ooh. Carl Weathers. <laughs> <laughs> and that other guy, what is, what is his name? Oh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold. Yeah. Arnold. Get to the chopper. Yeah, that's that's this movie, right? Yep, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Get to the chopper. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, a, it's a, of course, it's a riff off of Alien. Uh, it's the same universe. Of course, that maybe that was decided later on, but mm-hmm. of course the books were, I think, already kind of circling around or about to be released or something Yeah. Uh, for Alien versus Predator and, and all that stuff. But um, yeah, Predator, it's uh, straight up horror sci-fi, like evenly down the middle, in my opinion. Maybe more horror, actually. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is stalking them in the woods and uh, he's invisible and he's got all these tools and futuristic weapons at his disposal and picking off people one by one and it takes cutthroat grit on Arnold Schwarzenegger's character's part to finally defeat it. So it's a really good film. It stands up. Um, I'm not into whatever they're trying to do these days with Predator, but you know. I was just about to ask how you feel about the franchise. Because I love the Predator franchise. This new movie gets a lot of shit, but it was so good. It was so much fun. Like I just oh, enjoyed it. I've seen it. Yeah, it's um, it, check it out. Like yeah. I mean, it's one of those cases where you just does it have Carl Weathers? No, it or... really. I mean, I know. And then Predator Two had Danny Glover. So I mean, you have like really good yeah. actors and things, right? But I mean, Carl Weathers clearly is Academy Award winner. Yeah. I mean, right? Should be. (laughs) Uh, My number eight is The Blob, and not the original Steve McQueen's first movie, The Blob. I'm talking the 1988 remake by Chuck Russell. Oh, yeah. Yes, this is good. This was a staple in my house, and I don't know why. I think it's because it was on HBO all the time or something when I was younger. So as a little, you know, horror horror baby, I watched it a lot. (laughs) And it's, it's really gross and gnarly. It's just amazing. Like, to see the blob like gets people <laughs> sorry as a horror baby I was like the blob needs changing <laughs> uh, 
the like the very first kill in this movie is the blob eating somebody that you think is you know going to be a main character, right? And you can see skin dissolving from his face like into bone. It's just like the neatest thing to watch. It's so gross, and I love it. <laughs> um, the thing is, I was just like, did I want to call this a sci-fi movie? I mean, it's an alien, right? And it crashes to Earth, and it's just not something that you expect an alien to look like. We're expecting like little men or things like the Predator or like you know. Alien from Aliens, right? Mm-hmm. But this is just a really gross, fun sci-fi horror movie that I watch probably way more often than I should. Yeah. My number eight is 2007's Danny Boyle masterpiece, Sunshine. Oh, so good. Which we covered, of course, last week for our main film uh, for horror sci-fi. And uh, this, and of course, this is the you know the reason why we're doing this list is because we covered this film mm-hmm. and uh of course it's interesting for me i don't want to talk much about this because we already covered it but danny boyle cited two other sci-fi horror films as inspirations which may or may not show up on my list somewhere else i thought about putting sunshine on my list because i was so enamored of it on this viewing the thing is is that i mean at this point i've only seen it two times mm-hmm. right and both two times recently in preparation for the podcast I know that I'll probably watch this movie again, and I think it might creep up closer to my top ten. But I, it's not, it's not on my list. So, but it was a fantastic movie, and I'm glad that I watched it. My number seven is a recent film. It's Upgrade, yeah, from 2018, directed by Lee Wannell. Uh, uh, <laughs> we've already talked about this movie before. I know too, right? we talked about it on our best of 2018 list. Yep, and that's because it is. It really was. You know, there are some times when you're watching a movie on the first viewing, and you just know by the end of it that it's going to be one of your favorites. It's going to be something that you're going to watch many, many more times. An upgrade was that for me last year. I watched it just randomly and loved it so much that I had to message Chris right away and say, go watch Upgrade. You can thank me later. And I'm glad that he did. Um, The only movies that I felt the same way about, you know, as I did with watching Upgrade recently that I knew that I would love and love forever were Cabin in the Woods and It Follows. Like, it just doesn't happen to me that often. And so I think this movie is fantastic. It's the perfect blend of so many different genres like horror and comedy and action and crime thriller and drama and sci-fi. And it's just amazing, an amazing, perfect five-star movie. Plus, Logan Marshall Green is really, really fucking hot. So I just love it. My number seven is the 2013 box office bomb directed by Jonathan Glazer called Under the Skin, starring (laughs) Scarlett Johansson. Uh, The music for this movie is amazing. Um, Of course, it's by Mika Levy. Under the Skin was, I thought, a really, really good, like, psychological horror. I loved all of, like, the mysterious aspects to it. And I loved the message that it had at the beginning and, like, the journey that this alien kind of goes on. And it's so atmospheric and there's real tension in it. And I, I really, really enjoyed this film and I want to see it again. I've only seen it the one time. But I've listened to the soundtrack probably like 50 times. It's so good. I have listened to the soundtrack quite a bit. I mean, because you, you recommended this movie to me after you watched it. And I always trust your opinion. And so I sat down to watch <laughs> this movie 
and um, it didn't quite get under my skin. In fact, well, I mean, it did maybe in a bad way because I was just like, "Fuck this movie," and I turned it off. <laughs> but I mean, since that since that time, I really regret that decision. I think I should have saw saw my way through it and finished the movie. And I'm gonna rewatch it. I just think I might need like a little medicinal help or something. I think that might affect my viewing a little bit. So I'm gonna give it another chance. I want to. But initially, I just, like, couldn't do it. Do you know what its rating is on Rotten Tomatoes? No. I know that people love it, you know, but I also know that people either love it or they hate it, right? It's yeah. one of those polarizing movies. But if it's uh, if it's as high as number seven on your list, I'm more than willing to give it a second chance. Definitely do it. Yep. Uh, my number six is another David Cronenberg movie. It's Videodrome from 1983. Hmm. Uh, Videodrome is, quite frankly, I mean, like one of his best movies to me it's like almost a masterpiece in like body horror and sci-fi horror it's all about like the power of video or television to sort of like take over your mind subliminally and make you act in certain ways and there's just so much disturbing imagery in this movie so it's like sex violence gross body horror and like mind controlling video all rolled into one and it just makes this like a masterpiece of science fiction um it's about this 80s tv producer who's always looking for like the next edgy thing to to air and he comes across this like video feed of a person in like the orange room being tortured essentially in almost a sexual manner and it sort of just devolves from there into these really bonkers places um a lot of it doesn't make sense but if you've seen the movie as many times as i have it sort of starts to do that it's a very sinister feeling plus i mean like debbie harry's in it so you can't get any better than that oh my god really if there was a blondie soundtrack along with it i might like it a lot better but the score by howard shore in this movie is just so good i mean it just all of it fits and creates the perfect movie to watch my number six is 2007's the mist directed by frank darabont who also did a bunch of other Stephen King adaptions like The Shawshank Redemption, The Green Mile. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think he's his, uh, Stephen King's favorite. And Stephen King even agreed with the really bleak ending and thought it was an interesting check on his short story for The Mist. And uh, I really love this film. And I even watched like the black and white version that the, the Blu-ray comes with. It has a whole different version you can watch. Oh, is it really? Yeah, it's really, really, really good. So, I mean, I was blown away by this movie. I thought it was going to be a creature feature. And I didn't really understand the context around it. But it's a really good character study. You know, it's really about these characters and the journey that they go on psychologically. Uh, and this, um, you know, when they're just like the, the mist descends upon them and all these like extra dimensional creatures, like, like weird, like giant mosquito things and spiders and everything else is attacking them and they have to survive like and like part of the their surviving group like joins a cult and you know inside mm-hmm. the yeah it's so weird and it's like it seems so weird talking about that but it actually seems very very grounded and realistic while it's happening in the film it's almost like a stage play it's really 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 good yeah I remember watching this in the theater and I was completely immersed in this movie because the acting was phenomenal um I when you first when you just said that I was just like oh is that a sci-fi movie but now that I'm thinking yeah. about it they come from another dimension right There's they come whole, from like, like a portal up in right. the hills the military base right so, yeah. it's total sci-fi you're right oh my god this should be on my list because this movie is phenomenal <laughs> <laughs> god damn it <laughs> I didn't even think about that uh, I think it's safe to say that at some point guys we will be covering a full episode on the mess because I think that Chris oh, and I both enjoy yeah. that movie very much so yeah. quotable too uh, my number five oh, a friend like you I'd squat down shit one out <laughs> God, Marsha Gay Harden is so good in that movie. Where was her Oscar? (laughs) 
This is the only time I will say this anecdotally. When we saw this movie, I think I was with my mom and like one of her friends and I drugged them to see it. And when 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 she like dies or whatever, I like clapped out loud and I never do that shit in a theater. I was just like, yes! <laughs> so, was that involved? Uh, my number five is uh, the last David Cronenberg movie on my list. I promise it's The Fly from 1986. But, but it's my number five. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I mean, I'll just say what I want to say about it quickly. Um, fly, water, fly, water, make me a man. <laughs> <laughs> This movie is fucking incredible. It's gross. It's insanely rewatchable. I mean, like that yeah. that birth scene alone is just like amazing. And we're not I, saying it's scary, but be afraid. Be very afraid. <laughs> it's a timeless line. And it I, originates in this film. I know and Gina I, Davis. I rewatched it just this week before we were before we we're doing this recording. Because I hadn't seen it in a couple years. And I was just like, when they, when they got to that line, I was like, I totally forgot that's from this movie. I was like, Gina Davis, look at you with some quotable horror. Yeah. So she's I mean like I remember that I thought it was like a scientific kind of edgy horror, like procedural or something, and then like he steps into the the diner or whatever and has this like uh, uh, arm wrestle with this dude and he like rips his arm off I'm uh-huh. like oh that escalated quickly yeah and then just descends from there into like this body horror madness it is exactly madness that's the perfect word to describe this movie this movie's got some problems I mean it's not it's not the end all be all of sci fi horror the acting is eh, okay Rando fly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like the visual effects in this movie are so good nominated for an academy award I think they won the academy award for this movie hmm. it was just like just great great to look at and in my opinion David Cronenberg's best film it is like his end all be all masterpiece he will never be able to top what he's done with the fly i haven't seen the sequel did you see the fly too no yeah i my biggest fear is that someone's going to want to remake this movie and i think that if you're not going to use practical effects it's not going to be as good well let's remember that the fly itself is a remake right so you know just like the next thing on my list which is my number four the thing from 1986 by john carpenter Starring Kurt Russell at all. <laughs> and I love this movie. We've talked about it several times. I think it's been on our list several times. Yeah. Um, definitely on the remakes list. Yeah. It our number it's one. just such good sci-fi horror and really, really horror. And body horror. I mean, seriously, like uh, some of the best effects I've ever seen to this day in some of the, the makeup effects that they did for this film. Special effects and sequences that are in-camera effects that are just amazing. The story is so tense and very, very tightly... Uh, wound. It's very taut, I should say. It is very taut. And I, now that you've said that, again, this is another movie that I didn't think about being science fiction. Whenever I watch the thing, I never think about it being an alien, you know? It starts, literally opens with a spaceship crashing right. to Earth. I mean, my God, I'm so stupid. I cannot believe that I wouldn't even <laughs> think about that. I just, I mean, you're right. It's science fiction through and through. Yeah. Uh, my number four is The Faculty from 1998, directed by Robert Rodriguez. And this movie gets a lot of shit. Like, people just shit all over it for really? some reason. Yeah. I mean, I've never time, heard that. I just heard, like, who's in the faculty? It's good. I yeah. mean, every time people talk about it, at least around me or things that I see on, like, Twitter or whatnot, I mean, people are like, oh, it's bad. It's a bad movie. And it's got, like, 53% on Rotten Tomatoes really? or whatever. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it has like, Elijah Wood and it has, like, Eth- 
like like what if his name is like Josh Hartnett. Yeah, this and cast is so nineties. John Stewart randomly. Yeah, and like Usher's in it, and th- like and BB Newworth is in it. I mean, like it's it's a great cast, and it's like quintessential nineties horror for it's me. Like a who's who of dead careers. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> no, Robert Rodriguez just did uh, Battle Angel Alita or whatever, and which I really really enjoy. I still haven't seen that which either. Is really good it has horror definite horror elements in in that one. But uh, no, it's it's a you know I I've, I've yet to see the faculty. <laughs> You haven't seen The Faculty? No. Oh my God, I watch it at least like once a year. I love it so much. Yeah. It's like a great 90s cast. I still have the CD of the soundtrack. It was right up my alley too, but I was I was probably in Germany at the time when it came out because I watched all the like, you don't know, you did, I know what you did last summer uh-huh. and Scream and all that stuff before I, I left, but like I went into like movie Black Hole when I was in Germany. Oh, and, that's like, sad. TV. It's, I mean, I think you would like it actually. Yeah. It's a good movie. We should watch it together. So maybe I'll save my viewing this year for when you're around. My number three is Aliens from 1986 by James Cameron. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Sorry. It's my favorite director. I couldn't remember his name for just like half a second. I <laughs> don't know what I'm on right now. Uh, this movie is amazing. It's one of my favorite movies, probably in my top 10 of all time, of any kind of movie, regardless of genre. Anything from like the production value to the script to like the acting, the creature effects, the music, if I didn't already mention that. Everything is just top tier, and it's it, it it like shifts the genre from just like suspense thriller to action horror sci-fi, mm-hmm. and did its really its own thing. Like it didn't try and copy a lot of sequels, just try and capitalize on popularity or whatever. He did his own thing here, and it it is still one of the best action movies. Period. One of the best sci-fi movies. Period. And one of the best horror movies. Period. In 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 my opinion, and I feel like a lot of people agree with me. And it was nominated for Academy Awards. Yeah, you know, and it's it kind of is also kind of a you know success story because the entire crew basically like left the set and stuff because they did not think James Cameron was a was a director you know he had never really? filmed he had never filmed anything in uh, England before and so he wasn't used to like tea times and all these breaks and everything else and they didn't know what he'd done and he tried to pass out copies of the Terminator which he had done previously and no mm. one would watch it and so like he had to get people like the business to come in and like get people back on set because he wasn't having the tea times and all that and, <laughs> and they were just like this is a young director that knows, doesn't know what he's doing we don't like like he's making his own shots like George Lucas style we don't do that cinematographers make all these decisions DPs make these decisions Cameron was making all of these you know creative decisions that they weren't used to he was stepping on a lot of shoes and they're like this is going to be no one wants to put their name on this or whatever and it came out everyone was blown the fuck away oh, it made a shit ton of money i know yeah. that it was up for academy awards and everything and james cameron was just like you should have trusted me you know <laughs> it is a good movie i think as far as like james cameron's film i mean like this is probably my favorite of his yeah so um it's amazing uh yeah i haven't seen that movie in a very long time actually i, I mean i need to rewatch it too yeah uh, my number three is um, another remake. It's Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1978, directed oh. by Philip Kaufman. Oh. Yeah, exactly. He's doing it. The mouth agape, finger point. <laughs> um, this movie has been made so many times, and I really like every iteration of it. Like, even the really bad one with Nicole Kidman, right? Like, it's just a really good story. And while the original is great, I think that this particular version is by far the best. It's the scariest. It's the most 
I think it's got the most horror cred to it. And the cast of this movie is fantastic. So there's so much horror cred in here, like Donald Sutherland from Don't Look Now, Veronica Cartwright from things like Alien, right? Jeff Goldblum is in this movie. Leonard Nimoy is in this movie. (gasps) Oh, yeah, Uh, I forgot about that. He's in it right alongside Donald Sutherland. So, I mean, it is just a truly, truly frightening movie. And the image of Donald Sutherland, mouth agape, finger pointing at Veronica Cartwright will be forever seared into my brain. Wasn't there another remake of this called, like, with, with Nicole? Kidman and Daniel Craig or something. Yeah, that's what I just said a little bit ago. I think it's called <laughs> it's called the Invasion <laughs> or something like that. You mentioned it. Yeah, that's what I said. I was like, I like every iteration, even the bad one with Nicole Kidman. That must have been when I was looking at my clock and it's at three forty-five, and I was like, it's almost four hours away till Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> Your countdown. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's truly, truly frightening. Another version of this was from the 90s called Body Snatchers with Gabrielle Anwar, right, or whatever. And it's just like, there's just so many different versions. But this one is tops. If you have not seen this movie, please do yourself a favor and go out and watch it. My number two is Alien from 1979 by Ridley Scott. And of course, this is one of those films that was cited as an influence on Sunshine, as we mentioned earlier. That's right. And of course, nothing beats Alien for suspense terror. So, I mean, if you haven't seen Alien, my God, do yourself a favor and watch it. Clearly. I mean, there's just, it's so iconic. You can't, not see this film. <laughs> well, I mean, it's funny that you're talking about it now because my number two is also Alien. <gasps> really? Yeah. So, I mean, like Alien is definitely in my top favorite movies of all time. I mean, I'm not just talking about horror. Yeah, it's probably in my top ten as well. Yeah, yeah, I think Alien is just a complete masterpiece. I have This movie has been a part of my life since, since before I was even born. My mother's favorite horror movie story to tell me is her watching Alien in August of 1979 while she was eight months pregnant with me <laughs> and just like the, the watching things burst out of chest and stomachs on screen while she was that pregnant she was like I was so uncomfortable and terrified (laughs) and so like she showed me this movie at a very young age she was like you need to watch this because you traumatized me and blah 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 blah. like it's my fault and um, so I've just seen it so many times ever since I I always associate this movie with my mother and like that I don't know how I feel about that I I know isn't that bad so but it's terrifying man and Sigourney fucking Weaver from her you bitch (laughs) wait that's the last movie that's from Aliens (laughs) Sigourney Weaver is so good in this entire franchise. Yeah. I, mean, I just I just love her. Love it. You didn't say her name right, though. I wrote it right here on my notes, so it says Sigourney fucking Weaver. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. All right, we're down to our number ones. Chris, do you want to go first? you want me to go? Uh, you go. Okay, my number one is They Live from 1988, directed by John Carpenter. It is the best science fiction horror movie ever created. Wow. I have to stand by that. I have seen this movie upwards into the 20s or 30s amounts of times. I just have seen this movie so much. Mm-hmm. I had a VHS copy. I've had a DVD copy, a Blu-ray copy. I think I even had a laser disc like back in the day. I love how you get on to me for watching like Lord of the Rings like six times and yet you've seen a movie 30 times. Well, the difference is, is that They Live is like 80 minutes long as opposed to like 400,000 minutes long. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, that mean, might be an embellishment. I mean, I could easily watch Just they because live. the whole extended edition is 13 hours. (laughs) So, I mean, this is a quick movie and it's fun. I mean, it's got Roddy Piper in it for God's sakes. I mean, but also, I mean, Piper Laurie. Yeah, (laughs) that'd be great too. Um, As fun as it is, it's got a really cool like message about, you know, consumerism and, and government and like big brother type ideas. I mean, it's just a really great movie. And in my opinion, John Carpenter's best film. Oh, wow. I've never seen it. Like I've always meant to. 
it's it's so good. Again, this is one of those. Yeah, maybe we'll do like a faculty. One of those huge movies that's just yeah double feature. Yeah, yeah, that's just like slipped under my radar. I've seen clips. I know what it's about. Like I know some quotes. Like yeah. while I'm very sure you'll love the faculty, I'm sort of iffy as to what you'll think about They Live. Like oh. I, I know that you'll ultimately like it, but I mean, I, I think you might find some parts problematic. I think it's like 85 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It's not. Okay. It's well remembered, and if not, I don't think it was well received at the time. Yep. So. My number one is, in my opinion, the best or at least the most iconic horror sci-fi, even if it's not viewed as such of all time, which is Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey from 1968. And a lot of people's minds are blown when you say it's 1968 because the effects, you know, without this movie and without the effects and the groundbreaking stuff that they did, like Star Wars wouldn't have happened, things like that, right? As far Mm -hmm. as a technical standpoint. But Kubrick and, uh, like... Kubrick partnered with Arthur C. Clarke um, to basically pen this movie, you know, and have something to say about human evolution and the nature of mankind and our journey as a species in a way. And people often also forget that this is probably one of the first movies where AI or, uh, you know, artificial intelligence is a bad guy or starts kind of integrating that paranoia into society and maybe the first. With Hal, of course. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I can't do that, Dave. You know, <laughs> and uh, no, and but they they also forget. They go oh, the beginning kind of throws people off because it's like starts with human evolution, like as monkeys or whatever, or monkey adjacent or whatever you want to say. I'm not a scientist. And at the end, it kind of goes into like the surrealist kind of area where it goes into like a lot of like going through a wormhole, a lot of visuals, you know, and then a lot of symbolism visual, and then you see like the space baby approaching Earth, you know. So it kind of goes off into like really symbolic territory but th- those things are bookending this horror movie where these astronauts are having to contend with like the height the pinnacle of their creation the height of their current evolution you know which is this ai how which is driving the ship and kind of making everything run and everything so they at the beginning of the film you witness this monolith at the at early humans right and just from seeing this monolith they're picking up a bone and, and finding out that they can use it as a tool. And just from them doing that, that leads all the way to space travel. Just from them learning how to use a tool, that's what it leads to. So what is the monolith doing now when people look at it at this stage in human evolution? Where does it bring us to next? What is the next leap? And that's what the film is trying to kind of portray and symbolism in the next. What's the lesson we have to learn? Things like that. And you'll see kind of echoes of that in Sunshine a little mm-hmm. bit and a lot of other films that were influenced by it. And you can almost not beat the symmetry and uh, like sheer beauty and balance on the screen as Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey. And of course the music is amazing and everything's working for it. It's just, you have to be very patient with this film. Like there's an hour that could be cut out of this just from just like watching people float across the screen. Well, that's what I was going to say is, I mean, I've only seen this movie one time and I can't remember exactly when it was between the ages of like 12 and 15. Right. Yeah. When I was like really starting to like appreciate, you know, movies as art. And so I wanted to find things that people considered to be one of the greatest movies of all time. And I actively sought them out and I rented and watched this movie. And I mean, for my age, right? I mean, I, I wouldn't say that. I mean, I'm not a stupid person, but I was just like, I don't know what's going on. There was, there's so much like artistic symbolism and stuff like that. But I remember being completely engrossed in that middle half of the movie. I think that Hal is like one of the scariest villains. So that's that's a whole thing, and it's been riffed off of many, many times. Oh, yeah. But 
The film is also ahead of itself. Like Arthur C. Clarke famously like wrote in scientific journals and is basically one of the fathers of our modern satellites. And he's a <laughs> science fiction writer. So he and Kubrick, who is like inventing new things for the screen, right, right, teamed up for this movie. And there's things in this movie that are around today that have never been seen in, in reality in writing or on screen before. And it's like credit cards, uh, widescreen, the concept of a widescreen TV and stuff like all of these different things. Uh, were done on the screen that are just very casual that you notice and that are just part of the, the film like make it very grounded like in its own little world and so I don't know there's just a lot to mine there visually and otherwise I really think I need to rewatch this movie just because I, I mean the, the the amount of like space between the last viewing and now obviously I'm an, I'm an adult I've changed I've learned a lot and I think it would take a lot more from it than I did as a like an early preteen or whatever so I mean it's definitely something that I need to, to rewatch because I think yeah. I would appreciate it probably a lot more than I did then yeah. Well, I have a couple of runners up. Can I go through those? These movies that almost made my list. Oh, sure. Me too. Uh, so I really enjoy Toby Hooper's remake of Invaders from Mars. This is another like 1980s horror sci-fi movie, right? Yeah. Um, and only because I liked it so much when I was a kid, you know, like I haven't watched it in many, many years, but I remember loving it, loving it. I also like Firestarter a lot. And the only reason I didn't put that on my list is because I didn't think that I could squarely call it science fiction. It has to do with like telekinetic powers or whatever, like superhuman powers that are given to you via drug by the government, essentially, right? And so yeah. one little girl can create fire with her mind. And I was just like, oh, it's kind of sci-fi because of all the government stuff, the shop or whatever they call it. I was like, but I could not stand by calling it science fiction enough to put it on the list. Um, but if if I could, if I could make a valid argument, I would have included it in my top 10. It was that close. But I think the one that was the most close to cracking the top 10 was Event Horizon. So oh, and yeah. I, I really struggled as to not putting that on my list. Sure. Um, because that movie came out of nowhere to me. Like I randomly watched it on video and I it came out when I was working in a video store when I was a teenager and I rented it and watched it and I wasn't expecting it to be as horrific as it is. Yeah. Right. It really is just like Hellraiser in space. When it came out, I had viewed it as like, well, there is already is a Hellraiser in space movie. Is it really? Yes. It was like Hellraiser four or something. It was good. Oh, actually. I stopped watching it. It goes three. through different points in history. It goes through like when the puzzle box was created and then it goes to like a middle part and then it goes to the future and they're fighting him in all three time periods. Oh, I really need to start watching those movies. And again, it was actually man. pretty good. It was surprising actually for what it was. But um, no, Event Horizon, when I saw that in 1997, like I was like, this is the closest thing that I'll probably ever get to like Season of Passage as a, you know. A yeah, I like that book a lot too. Yeah, so. You know, as far as like the space portion of it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, it was uh, it was cool. I just wish that they had brought it together a little bit more as like a physical entity or something because it was very nebulous or something. But no, I, I'm a huge fan of Event Horizon. Uh, I think they do a great job. Like the whole inside of the ship was designed after like the Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, I don't know. We're, we're going to have to cover that someday. So, I mean, how close was that to being on your list? Is it one of your runners up? Yeah. Uh, I have Event Horizon. Uh, I have Species, Resident Evil, Attack the Block, Critters, Cube, uh, Pitch Black, and 10 Cloverfield Lane as my runners up. I had a lot. Like I had to really whittle this down. And I also wrote down stuff like Frankenstein or Bride of Frankenstein. Oh, yeah. Like because those are technically sci-fi, right? Mm-hmm. Like the scientist is like... Like using science to like bring things together. But I feel like that's more body horror, straight horror, but maybe that's just what we've accepted it to be now. 
Because technically you could argue that it's science fiction horror. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that there's a lot of argument when it comes to David Cronenberg's work as to whether or not that's just straight body horror or straight horror. But I think that he adds a lot of sci-fi elements into his films that, you know, squarely put them in this particular, you know, subgenre. Um, that list is pretty impressive, though. Like, I f- totally forgot about Species. Like, that was a good movie. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen Attack the Block. I really, really oh, want to. I hear have you seen great. Cube? I have seen Cube. I don't like Cube. Oh. Yeah. Wow. It's like, I just, I don't. Have I've seen it, it a couple times. Oh, I'm a couple just times. Like, yeah, I'm not. I'm not a fan at all. Have you seen Cube Cube? <laughs> no. <laughs> After that first one, I was like, I'm not watching any more of these movies. Uh, There's something else that you just said that I was just like, oh yeah, that was a really good movie too. I know I can't remember. It's okay. But anyway, good list. This is good runners up. Yeah. I mean, like, obviously, we probably have enough movies to do another top ten of this particular. Yeah, there's category. a lot of good horror sci-fi's. Really. Yeah. I mean, and I was surprised at. You know, there. I had a whole list. I think that I had to whittle down to ten from like I don't know, like thirty-five movies is what I listed. Yeah. So I mean, well, it's just really lucky because like there's a lot of horror fans that disdain sci-fi or look down on it, and there's a lot of sci-fi fans that look down on horror, or a lot of other people <laughs> that just like look down on both. That's right? right. Yeah. So it's just it's really interesting when you got like a cross between both that are there's just a shit ton of really good examples of movies that are just amazing sci-fi horrors. So I would say like let's all hold hands. <laughs> That's right. Sing a little kumbaya and just and like get together some on this fucking horror movies. So yeah. Good. I love it. Okay, guys. Well, that was our top 10 picks for sci-fi horror. Let us know what you think. What movies are on your top 10 list or which sci-fi horror movies do you love the most? You can tell us on social media at The Film Flamers on Twitter or Facebook. Or you can call us on our hotline at 972-666-7733. Or you can email us at tiredqueens at filmflamers.com. I almost never say that, so I had to think for a minute. <laughs> also, guys, head over to patreon.com slash thefilmflamers and check out all of our bonus content. You could have gotten this episode maybe weeks in advance of its actual release date, not to mention all the other bonus episodes that we've put out there for you. You can get that all for as little as $2. Guys, next month is June. It's Pride Month, and we have a lot of stuff coming out for you, so stay tuned for that. Um, we'll be covering Stranger by the Lake as our main feature film presentation um, so stay tuned for that and if you haven't seen it go check it out it's going to be the first viewing for both me and Chris so yeah, I, I believe it's excited. available on Amazon and that's we'll have right. a link in the show notes just for you that's right well until next month guys sweet dreams sweet dreams